Well, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice. We will rejoice this morning. Amen? Amen. I want to welcome everybody here to the Eastside Church of Christ. For those of you who are uh, visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here and a part of our service this morning. Um, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. Do we have the clicker? I, don't, I forgot to get it. There you go. Do I need to try to get back up on the stage? Because there's not a lot of room up there. I don't know. Just try to keep it here. All right. Thank you. Caleb gave me permission. Thanks, Caleb. I want to begin this morning reading you a scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. This is the verse that you all read just a moment ago when we stood up. But listen to what it says. It says, what no eye has seen. In other words, your physical eyes have never seen this. It says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has ever conceived. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Over the course of the last three weeks, we have embarked on a brand new study that we're calling Catching Fire. And it is a, a series that the aim of this series, my hope, my prayer as we do this series, is that this whole series is, is going to be about that verse right there. We are going to be looking at some of the deep things of God, Some of the things that only the Holy Spirit has revealed to those who are his people. Now, I realize, and I was thinking about this this week, um, preachers, we are our own worst critics, aren't we, Luke? Um, I have had a hard time the last two weeks because I felt like I have started off this sermon series just horribly. And I, I feel like the, the, the Holy Spirit is such a large topic that it's hard to know what angle to take. It's hard to know how much to share. It's hard to know when to share what, when, where. And, um, but my goal over the next few weeks is to kind of do this right here. I want to start with big picture concepts. That's what I've tried to do the last two Sundays. Uh, just big picture concepts. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible have to say about the Holy Spirit? What are his works? We're going to talk about some of his activity starting next Sunday. But over the course of the next few weeks, hopefully what's going to happen, we're going to get a little bit more specific, a little bit more narrow. And hopefully by the end of this series, we're going to ask probably the most important question for you and me, which is, okay, now that we know who this person is, now that we know how he works, now that we know how he works in us, what does that mean for me? Practically speaking, how can I walk by the Holy Spirit, live by the Holy Spirit? How can I hear the Spirit's will for my life? That's where we're headed, okay? So I realize some of these initial sermons are big picture concepts, but I feel like we have to cover this territory before we get to some of the more uh, specifics. Now, so far, just want to make sure I'm doing this for me and for you. Uh, I want to make sure that we all are on the same page. Two weeks ago, we, we started off with our very first sermon in the series called The Gift of God. And basically, what I wanted to do in that sermon is basically this and tell you that when you become a Christian, a lot of times we don't realize this. We think we, could be, be, we become a Christian and my job from that point forward is to go to church and have good attendance, right? And, and that's fine. I want you to be here. But the point I wanted to make in that sermon is, is that when you were baptized into Jesus Christ, when you die to everything you once were, there is a miracle that takes place in those waters. And that miracle, according to the promise of God, 
is that you die to everything that you once were. Your sins are forgiven, which means that you are a vessel that is now clean and made ready for the Lord. You are a temple that has no spirit in it whatsoever. No Holy Spirit, excuse me. And that while you're there in that place of dying to your old self, God then takes his presence, his spirit, and he places that spirit inside of you and he gives that spirit to you as a gift. That was the very first point that I wanted to make. That the gift is unique to Christians. Nobody else gets to have this gift. It's a very precious gift. It's a gift for all believers. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, 2,000 years ago on this day, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and said, this gift is for you. It's for your children. It's for as many as the Lord our God shall call, all the way afar off, right? So note that it's gift, not gifts. Now, does the Holy Spirit give us gifts? Yes, he does. And Sandy, like you said, I pray for all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But let's not forget the gift giver. The primary gift that we receive when we become Christians is Him. It's His presence. You see an example of Jesus using this presence in the story of the Samaritan woman. And that's the story we talked about in the first week. When He's talking to the Samaritan woman, what does the Holy Spirit inside of Jesus do? He gives Jesus what's called a word of knowledge. Now, that's a gift, by the way, that's mentioned in Corinthians, word of knowledge. He gives her, him a word of knowledge. In other words, the Spirit gives Jesus inside information that only she knew about her past, right? It's a miraculous piece of knowledge that God gave him for the purpose of doing ministry. And so when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman about this water well, the way he proves that he has access to this water well, this Holy Spirit water well, is he gives an example by using the Spirit itself. He tells her her life story. And of course, that has a huge impact on her greatly because none other than the Messiah himself is talking to her. She comes to believe that and he doesn't condemn her. He doesn't even have to say, I forgive you. She feels the forgiveness in that story. And she goes back and she tells the whole, um, tells, the whole uh, uh, tells all the Samaritans. And it's something that I've said many times in the past. Why is leading with the Holy Spirit so important? Because Jesus was able to do in five minutes of ministry with the Holy Spirit more than what missionaries will spend a lifetime doing on their own. Okay? Now, that was our first sermon in the series that this gift has been given to all of us. Now, the second sermon, the one that we did last week, um, I called it, Who is the Holy Spirit? And in last week's uh, series, we, we built upon these ideas. We showed you that the gift that was given, that was talked about by the apostles in the book of Acts chapter 2, that's not the first time this gift has ever been talked about. In fact, Jesus himself said, this is the same gift that I taught you about a long time ago, back when we were walking together all over the hills of Judea, right? What does he say about it? I'm not going to take the time to rehash that whole sermon, but let me, let me give it to you in bullet point form. He says that the Spirit is like him, in John 14, 51 through 52. He calls the Spirit a helper. The word in Greek is a paraclete. A paraclete. It means somebody who's called alongside to help you, right? He says, I'm going to send another like me, just like me. He's going to come alongside to help you in your life. He goes on to say in John 15, that the Holy Spirit is among you. You've seen his works, but soon, meaning after he dies and is raised from the dead at the day of Pentecost, he will be in you. 
Another thing he reveals in Matthew 28 and also John 14, the Spirit is truth. He's called the Spirit of truth. Now, Jesus himself, remember, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So when Jesus tells his disciples, I will be with you even unto the very end of the age, or like he says over in John chapter 14, I will not leave you as orphans when I leave. How does he plan to not leave us? Through the Holy Spirit, you see. Jesus himself comes through the Holy Spirit to be present with us. Jesus calls this gift in Acts chapter 1 verse 5, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's an immersion of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1 verses 8, verse 8, it's the gift that empowers them to be able to go out and do ministry, right? It's the gift that empowers them to do ministry. So the last thing that I wanted to take, that I wanted you to take away last week is simply this. First sermon, the Holy Spirit is a gift to you. That's your gift. Second sermon, the gift is not an it, it's a person. It's a person. And I told you that a person has personal attributes, right? A person has a mind and a will and emotions. And we also said that a person also has activity. Now, that's going to be the focus of the next two sermons, okay? What I want to do this morning is I want to spend a little bit more time. I'm going to call this, uh, call this Who is the Holy Spirit? Part 2. But I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the Holy Spirit's mind, His will, his emotions, because I want to show you more about who this person is, this Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do now, I, I could have picked so many. Uh, sometimes I have information overload when I'm preparing for a sermon because I, I literally, one sermon will turn into three or turn into five. And I'm like, man, I can't talk about the Holy Spirit for two years. I, I mean, maybe I could, but, but, but it might wear you out after a while. Here's what I did this morning. I picked out five. Okay. I want to show you five qualities or personality traits of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one this morning. The Holy Spirit has knowledge. He has knowledge. Let me read you this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 10 through 11. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? I look at Augustine over here and I have no idea who Augustine really is. But you do, don't you? Because you're alone with your thoughts. Okay? Augustine's like, please don't talk to me. I don't, he's like, eh. okay. Or I could pick anybody, for example. Okay? The point is, nobody knows you better than you. Nobody knows you better than you, right? You know all the stuff that goes on on the inside. You know all the stuff that you don't care to share with anybody else, right? You know you better than anybody else. Your spirit knows your thoughts. Okay, listen to what he says. Keep reading with me. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except what? The spirit of God. Now, that's a mystery, isn't it? But basically, that's describing to you this Holy Spirit. Now, did you hear what he just said? He said, just as your spirit is the only one who knows your innermost thoughts, the Holy Spirit is the only one who knows the thoughts of God. Now stop right there. Imagine being the spirit, knowing the innermost thoughts of God. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that's not what's amazing. You've got to be kidding me. The Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. What are the deep things of God? I have no idea. I'm not the spirit. I don't know his mind. 
I know he's revealed some deep things to us. But look at this. Look at the passage we read a little bit earlier. As it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Stop right there. Do you love him? If you love him, say yes. yes. Okay, well, if you love him, that means that there are deep things that have been revealed to nobody else that he wants to reveal to you by the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, these are the things that God has revealed to who? Us. By the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God, even the deep things. The Holy Spirit possesses all knowledge, all wisdom. And where is the Holy Spirit now? Oh, do you really think that all the thoughts that you have are yours? They're not. Because you have a split personality, don't you? Not that kind. <laughs> you have your personality on the inside, but you also have another being living on the inside of you. And the text says one of the things that he does is that not only does he possess all knowledge, but he's also there to reveal things to you that only come out of the mind of God that come from nowhere else. Isn't that amazing? Whew. So amazing you guys are speechless. It's amazing. I, I got him speechless today, Tiffany. Look here. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. You rely on the Holy Spirit a lot more than you think you do. You think that the, all the things that you know and believe are because you've studied hard? Well, yeah, you've studied hard, but listen to what the text says. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been talking to somebody out in the world? And, and you can tell they don't have the Spirit of God, man. You tell them things about God and they think, oh, that's just stupid, that's dumb. Or you try to explain it to them and they sit down and they, they, can't even, they look at the Bible text and the eyes get cross-eyed, Right? Because again, these things are spiritually understood and they're, they're very miraculous. The Bible tells us that when we have the Holy Spirit, we're able to self-evaluate ourselves based upon how God sees things, not based upon how I see things. And when we need wisdom, because the Spirit possesses all knowledge, what does the Bible tell us if we need wisdom? He says in James chapter 1 verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And what will happen? It will be given to you. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit's a person because a person has knowledge, don't they? An impersonal force doesn't have knowledge. Here's another aspect of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also has a mind. Did you know that the Spirit has a mind of his own? Look at what the text says in Romans 8, 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, let me unpack that for you. Here's what he's saying. God is right now searching you in your heart. 
He's looking at everything going on in there. It's like a spotlight. He's looking everywhere, right? He's looking for the areas that reflect him, and he's looking for those areas that don't reflect him. And while he's in there, let's just use this as the mental picture. And while he's in there, he who searches the heart looks over at the Spirit, and he knows exactly what's going on in the mind of the Spirit. Why? Because as he looks over at the Spirit, what's the Spirit doing for you? Interceding for you. You want to know what's on the mind of the Holy Spirit? You. That's what's on the mind of the Spirit 24 hours of the day. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is in cooperation with the Father. Searching your heart. Looking for areas that need to reflect Him. And even in those places where you don't know how to pray God's divine will into your life, guess what the Holy Spirit is doing for you even while you sleep at night? He is interceding for you and praying for those very same areas because the Holy Spirit and the Father had the same goal for your life and that is to bring your life into alignment with God's will. Amen? Sorry, Alan. Do I need to stay in a specific spot? Like right here, don't move? Okay. I'm sorry, I get wound up and I like to walk. And oh yeah. Number three. The Holy Spirit also has a will of his own. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. It's up here on the screen. Now, this is talking about the spiritual gifts, Sandy. But he says, all these spiritual gifts are the work of the one and same Spirit. And he gives them to each man just as what? He determines. Just as he determines. So, when it comes to who serves the Lord, when they serve the Lord, and how they serve the Lord... According to the text, who gets to make that choice? The Holy Spirit does. It's just as he determines. It's just as he wills. Now, remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Now you're, now you're understanding why I brought up the Nicodemus story and the Samaritan woman story early on. It's because we were going to be drawing from these stories off and on throughout this series. But remember what he says to, to Nicodemus in John 3 when he compares the Holy Spirit to the wind. Jesus says this in John chapter 3 verse 8. The wind blows wherever what? It pleases. Now it's called it there because he's talking about wind. It's not talking about the Spirit, but he's referring to the Holy Spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it's going. So it is with everybody who is born of the Spirit. When you read the book of Acts and you look at the exploits of the early church, what do you see? Over and over and over again, you see the Holy Spirit taking the lead. Telling Paul and Barnabas where to go. Telling them where to not go. Telling them when to go. Telling them how to go. Over and over again, the Spirit of God is in the church, leading the church. Leading the way for where the church is supposed to go and for what the church is supposed to do next. Why do we live differently today? Why have we become so content to let our churches be led by men instead of letting us be led by the Holy Spirit because that is what brought the early church into its fruitfulness a long, long time ago. Over and over again, you see the church coming together. And what do they do? They're praying together. They're fasting together. They're living in unity together. Why? Because they're seeking the Holy Spirit. They're seeking the empowerment of God to be able to enable them, to empower them, to be able to do whatever it is that God has called them to do. And fourthly this morning, the Holy Spirit has feelings. Holy Spirit has feelings. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32. 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Why should we get rid of all those those sinful things inside of us? Because he's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I say this all the time because sometimes when you flip the words around, it makes a lot more sense why he's there. He's the spirit of holiness. He's inside of you to make you holy. He's inside of you to heal you from your past. He's inside of you to help you identify the things that don't line up with the will of God. He's there to make you into the the image of Christ. And when we don't measure up to that image, the Bible says that it grieves him. And I I was interested. I went and looked up the word grieve. I didn't really know what it meant. In lipeo is what it means. In Greek, it's lipeo. And it literally means this. Let me read this. It means to experience deep emotional pain or sadness, severe sorrow, intense grief. It's the same exact word that's used over in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 when it talks about the pain of childbirth. Now think about that for a second. He is grieved by our unwholesome talk, by swearing, by filthy jokes, by bitter words, He's grieved by outbursts of anger. He's grieved by resentments. He's grieved when we shut others down with our opinions or our slander, our criticism. He's grieved when we entertain evil thoughts, when we indulge in sinful desires, when we fail to love other people the way that we should, when we fail to forgive other people the way that we should. He's grieved. The Holy Spirit goes wherever you go. When you sit down and you watch Netflix, he's watching it right there with you. So he's grieved. If you're watching, if you're putting things into you that are not good, whether it be TV or your phone or your internet, he is grieved when you are not following the will of God. Anything in us that is not like Jesus in his word, it grieves him. Why? Because he wants God's divine will for your life. And then finally this morning, I'll just do this one. The Holy Spirit has love. Now, these are personal attributes, right? This isn't a force. This is a person. You can see this is a person. He's got knowledge. He's got a mind. He's got a will. He's got feelings. He's got love. He's in perfect accordance with the Father. He's in unity with the Father. But he's his own person too. He's also got love. Look at what it says in Romans 5, 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The fundamental nature of God is what? love. John in 1 John says God is love. But we know that the Spirit and God the Father mutually indwell one another. They, they share the same exact type of nature. So what does that tell you? Not only is God love, but the Holy Spirit himself is also love. Well, love himself then has come to indwell inside of us. So God pours out his supernatural love into you through the Holy Spirit. And what does that do over time? As your heart and life is transformed, that allows you then to allow that love to overflow from you to everybody else. By the way, I just preached up, up, reach, in, reach, outreach again. Just then, you didn't notice it, did you? (laughs) Right? From the Father in us through others to the world. And by the way, the Holy Spirit will never withdraw his love for you. In the Old Testament, the Spirit could come on people. 
right? He came on Saul, but he also left Saul. He came on David, and David, after he sinned with Bathsheba, knew that he had grieved the Holy Spirit because he could feel it. And when he prayed, what did he pray? Lord, don't take your spirit from me. Well, guess what? You're part of the new covenant. God's not going to take his Holy Spirit from you. But he will grieve if you are not living in accordance with his, with his, his will in your life. That's why the scripture says that we have to walk by the Spirit. We have to keep in step with the Spirit. Okay. We're going to stop here with just these, these five main areas. Um, but as I was preparing my sermon, watch this. There were a few more I wanted to do. <laughs> Okay, there were just a few more. I'm not going to take time to go into all of them, but watch this. The Holy Spirit also gives you guidance. He searches all things. The Holy Spirit speaks. He leads. He prays. He teaches. He instructs us in spiritual matters. He comforts us. He gives his own commands, by the way. Uh, he performs miracles. He convicts of sin. He sets apart for ministry. And by the way, the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. That's a pretty big deal, and by the way. Some people ask the question sometimes, Tim, have I committed the, the unpardonable sin? You ever heard of what the unpardonable sin is? The, the Bible says that there is only one sin that can't ever be forgiven. He says everything that's ever spoken against the Father or the Son will be forgiven. But anything that's ever spoken against the Holy Spirit, that thing cannot be forgiven. And I can't tell you how many times over 20 years I've had people come in my office and say, have I done it? <laughs> have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a real simple answer to that question. If you are worried that you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, you have not. Because blasphemy against the Holy Spirit was what the Pharisees were doing when they could look at all of the works of the Spirit, all of the works of Jesus, all of the works of the Spirit through Jesus, and say, that's Satan. See, if you're sensitive to the heart of God and you're struggling, that's not the same thing, okay? Somebody's got a phone going. All right. Okay, now we could go on, but, but here's the point, the, the last point that I want to make. Make sure I got my slide up here. Okay, we'll leave it there. If you, are a, if you are a Christian, this spirit that we just talked about a moment ago, this, this spirit who guides you and, and searches you, speaks to you, leads you, prays for you, teaches you, instructs you in spiritual matters, this spirit that comforts you, gives commands to you, performs miracles through you, convicts of sin in you, sets you apart for ministry, empowers you, this one that can be blasphemed, that spirit has come to live inside of you. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen that now you're a temple. Look at what it says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Oh my goodness, look at what he says next. You are not your own. Dale Moody, once somebody asked him a question. Dale Moody's real big on the Holy Spirit. Real big on the Holy Spirit. And he held up an empty cup one time. And he said, how do I get the air out of this cup? Let's say the air represents the sin in your life. And you want to get it out. Well, how do you get the air out of the cup? Well, you know, somebody's like, whoosh, whoosh, you know, <laughs> that. That don't get the air out because it's still got air in it. Somebody said, well, maybe if you put something on and you suck all the air out. Well, you can't do that. It's glass. Eventually, it'll break. So eventually, he just kind of let people give some fun answers or whatnot. And then he reached out from behind the pulpit and he pulled out a pitcher full of water. And he poured the water in the cup. What's the water a picture of? The Spirit. He filled it all the way to the brim. 
And he said, now there's no air in here anymore. Now, what's the picture? The picture is simply this. If you want more of the life of God in you, you have to be willing to clean house. You have to be willing to clean house. And it's not about just trying to flick off a sin here and flick off a sin there. You've got to be filled. You have to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Let me read you this quote from D.L. Moody. He said this, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. I love this last part. We have to be emptied before we're filled. We have to be emptied before we're filled. You know, when you have a a relationship with someone, it makes sense that you take time to spend with them, don't you? And you're married to your wife, your husband, the way that you have a good relationship is you take time to spend time with each other. You get to know what each other like, what each other, what, what each of you don't like. You, 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 you share goals and dreams together. That's the way it is when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And what I've seen over the last couple of decades is that so many people have the gift of his presence in their lives, but they walk around and they don't even know who he is. So I'm hoping this morning that you're starting to understand more of this being, this divine being who dwells inside of you. And so I'm going to close with just one simple question, and that is this. Do you want to know him more? That's it. Do you want to know him more? That's the only question I have for this morning. Do you want to know the one who knows the mind of God? Do you want to know the one who intercedes for you daily, even when you don't recognize his intercession for you? Do you want to know the one whose will it is to bring about God's divine will for your life? Do you want to know the one who loves you with all of his heart and who is pulling for you? If so, then here's what the scripture tells you to do. Ephesians 5, 18 through 19 says this. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. How do you do that, church? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from the Lord. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Have you ever noticed that there is a bit of a miracle that happens when you're in the midst of worship? Do you feel like sinning when you're worshiping the Lord? You don't, do you? You know why? Because when you're worshiping the Lord, you're filling your cup full of that water. Now, we're going to do that right now. We have a song that we're going to sing. Here's a good, we're going to do something a little bit different. Elders, um, if you're, for those of you who are not in the worship team, because I know that you guys have got to have a minute to come up here and get ready. Worship team, you guys go ahead and come on up here. And other elders or other people who feel led by the Spirit this morning who want to pray, if you would, go out to the side. And I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, to close your eyes with me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Okay. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. But I want everyone to take just a moment and close your eyes. This is a different kind of invitation. Now, in the moment when the song starts, if you want to come forward and pray with anybody you see up around you, feel free. But this is a different invitation. Just close your eyes. If you want to know the Holy Spirit more in your life, raise your hand right now. If you want to know him more, just raise your hand right now. Father, I pray 
that you would be with every single person who raised their hand this morning. Father, these folks invite your presence, invite your spirit into their life, Father. You tell us in your word that if a son asks for a fish, will you give him a stone? And if a son asks for bread, 